Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for another day uh, to receive of you, another day to be blessed of you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for faith that is uh, that is coming alive in us, in our hearts. We thank you for the renewal of our minds. We thank you for uh, the active ministry of the Holy Spirit in us, uh, grooming us, nurturing us, preparing us. Uh, equipping us, training us, you know, and bringing us into sonship. Uh, Father, we thank you because we are not illegitimate sons. We thank you because we are not irresponsible sons. We thank you, Father, because we commit to maturity. We commit to growth. And in the name of Jesus, we will represent the kingdom. We will represent you, uh, and the whole creation will see the manifestation of the sons of God. In my time, in my generation, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You are welcome, guys. You are welcome. We've been on this amazing journey. Discovering, unveiling, learning, unlearning, relearning. You know, uh, the making of sons. Just like the theme, uh, that is basically what we've been learning. What we started by, you know, talking about who a son is, uh, what is expected of a son. And with a lot of focus on our prototype, who is Jesus. And of course, gleaning from here and there, we talked also a lot about the process of, of growth. The process of growth, we talked about you know uh how maturity coming into maturity plays a big role and we also talked about the importance of the training of the father that's what we said yesterday where we said that it is that child that the father does not train does not chastise that is regarded as an illegitimate child that child is regarded as a bastard son mm -mm. We're not bastard sons. We're not illegitimate sons. We're taller breeds, you know. Uh, but it's important that we are deliberate and we commit to training. We commit to learning. Muji, you're welcome. It's important that um, we allow, you know, Christ have his full expression through us. You know, we also came to understand that growth process isn't always a very uh, uh, joyful experience like we learned but like jesus there's a joy set before us and because of that joy set before us we endure the cross hallelujah you know but the beautiful thing is that there's no one who uh goes through is going there's no one going through the training of the father that at the end of the day does not come forth way better than how they started there's no one there's no one you can look through the bible 
look through the scriptures. There's no one who has committed to growth, committed to process, committed to the workings of God that did not turn out to be a pace sitter, that did not turn out to be an icon in their generation. And one of the things I've emphasized over the days is the fact that no one actually, that's not God's intention, that anyone would have a corner on God. You know, one of the things we stressed yesterday is that the outpouring of the Spirit, which is the promise to Abraham, we established that yesterday, you know, the outpouring of this Spirit is not just to a selected few. And I just feel like, you know, touching a bit more on that. When we see uh, men and women of like passion doing things, uh, groundbreaking um, inventions, I mean, when we see them uh, breaking barriers, when we see these men utilize the power released to them and we tend to make a semi-god out of them and that was what Jesus was trying to correct with Peter like I mentioned yesterday when they saw him walking on water they concluded that it is only a ghost that can walk on water they concluded, you know, some of us in our minds, we might not say it verbally, we might not vocalize it, but in our minds, we just tell ourselves that mm, some things are just reserved for some people. We tell ourselves, ah, hmm. you know, we all say it and we think that we are sounding spiritual. Meanwhile, we're just being religious. We say, ah, pastor, you know, you people, you are closer to God. God hears you. Ah, pastor, you people, you are graced. We're all graced. God removed the veil. He tore it from up down. It would be easier to tear something from down up. But the Bible says he tore it. The veil. When Jesus died, there was earthquake and all of that. And the Bible says literally... The veil in the temple at Jerusalem at that time tore into two of its own accord. Now that signifies something very powerful because hitherto only the priest had the right, had the uh, authority, had the right, um, how do I explain, had the right um authority yeah to come into the presence of god which is the holiest of holies in fact it was such a sacred thing that they had to tie their legs whenever they went in there so when they go in there, they take the sacrifice of the people and everything and they are there interceding and praying, you know, and all of that. The people, they are at the outer court praying, you know, and doing all of that. 
and they get into that place and after some time when they realize that they are not coming out quickly because there's a certain amount of time they they always use is they can't go in so it's the rope they used to check you can read it in Deuteronomy to check if the person is still there it was that sacred it was that sacred no you see you dare go there you are just signing up to be killed in fact remember when moses went to receive the tablets and the bible says that the whole mountain was in fact the people were afraid they were so afraid they said if as much as an animal should come near the mountain it's consumed that was how much of the presence of God, such that in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrew now said, we have not come to the mountain that burns with fire. No, it's not like in those days. He said, we've not come to that mountain. We've not come to, 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 to bring stone and, and, you know, no, said, but we have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And so that which was sacred and left for a few, selected few, you need to read Deuteronomy and Leviticus to understand the ritual and everything that goes into, you know, appointing a priest and then all the things the priest has to do before he's able to go into the Holy of Holies. But at the, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the veil tore. Mm. The Bible says the veil tore. That is in Christ Jesus. And thank God, Jesus Christ did not come according to the order of Aaron. The priestly order of Aaron. No. He came according to the priestly order of Melchizedek. That is the veil tore, granting us access. Everyone has access into divine reality, into the supernatural life. We all have access. I read it to us yesterday, Acts chapter 2. He says, in the last days, my spirit is going to be poured upon all flesh. Old, young, maid servants, male servants. He's pouring it out on all flesh. And if indeed he's pouring it out on all flesh, then guys, why do we still think that some people have a corner on God? They do have a corner on God because they have utilized that which has been made available to them. But not to them only is made available to all. They have just caught it. They have just caught it. And I established it like we read in Hebrews yesterday. That these guys, this cloud of witnesses, did all these things without 
the Holy Spirit as we have it today. And that's why there are cloud of witnesses watching to see what we will do now that we have access, now that the veil is torn, now that the Father has said as many, oh, ah, you know the Bible says concerning Jesus, he said to him, he said today, have I begotten thee? You are my son. And he said, today, I have begotten thee. That's what he said to Jesus. And so, after Jesus died and paved the way, he now says, as many as will receive him, he will give you the right. He will give you the authority. He will empower you. He will equip you. That's what he's saying there. He will give you the opportunity. He will give you the access code. Oh, to become a son. What does it mean to become a son of God? These guys, Joseph, David, Moses, Esther, they didn't have that privilege. Mm. They didn't have it. But we have a blank check given to us by God. An invitation, open invitation to become a son of God. He says, as many as received him, he gave the authority, he gave the empowerment, he gave the access code to become. I like that he says to become. Signifying a process. We become sons of God. You don't wake up and just become transformed. No, it's a becoming process. We become sons of God. As many as many, the gate is open. The veil is torn. You know when Moses went up to the mountain to receive the tablet, when he came down, the Bible says his face shone. Hey, he had been in the presence of God, I think, for about 40 days. When he showed up, the Bible says they couldn't even look at him. The Bible says his face shone so brightly. He had to wear a veil. How do you wear a veil to cover the glory of God? Because the people that were, you know, interacting with him couldn't even comprehend it. Now you get the prayer Paul was praying. That we are able by the Spirit of God to comprehend with all saints. At every level. There is a comprehension. You know what comprehend means? When they say, do you comprehend? There is an understanding. There is, there is, that is, he's saying that there is a capacity made available via the Spirit. Because the Spirit is given to all. The same Spirit at work in Pimo is at work in Moji. 
is at work in Daba, is at work in, 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 in everyone. The same spirit is at work in us. A veil. Moses had to wear a veil. And God said till today, a veil still covers their eyes when they are reading the Bible, when they are reading the Old Testament. He said, but this veil is taken away in Christ. We all with open faces. We all with open faces behold as in a mirror. And we are transformed. They looked at Moses and said, "Mm -mm, this is not real. This is not, this cannot be. Moses is no longer a human. He has become like God. And they almost even literally worshipped him. And God said, no, this, this is not quite it what I want. I don't want to raise one man and everybody is worshipping him. That's not the agenda. That's not the goal. So Jesus came. And Jesus came in a fashion that anyone and everyone could relate with and to. The manner of birth, he was from a very humble background. Mother was not known. Father was not known. She wasn't the daughter of a priest. He wasn't the daughter of a priest. Yes, their lineage pointed to that of David, especially Joseph. But it wasn't like they were from the high and mighty family. No. He was raised as a carpenter. Oh, glory to God. I mean, the son of God was raised as the carpenter. God is trying to say to us that it really doesn't matter how I choose my sons or how I make my sons is not by, by a function of how you were raised or where you were raised. or No, it's a function of how yielded and willing you are like we've established over the days. Jesus was raised in Nazareth. Did you guys remember what, uh, who was it again that said it? I said, can anything good Come out of Nazareth, like for real. So Nazareth was like the least of all. Yet God raised his son. God is trying to tell us something. That we can, he can, we can identify with Jesus even as his son. We can't identify with Jesus even as his son. The making of sons. The making, how does God make his, make his sons? What is the raw material that he uses in making his sons? Is he seeking perfection? Is he seeking people with perfect backgrounds? Raised by pastors, your parents are pastors. Is that what qualifies you? No. No, that's not what qualifies you. What qualifies you is your ability to be trained by the Father. That's all. Jesus submitted himself 
to the training of the father. Good evening, Diola. Good evening, uh, Chazo. You're welcome. Jesus submitted himself to the training of the father. And when he did that, the father himself came and said, I'm pleased. I'm well pleased. You are my son. Now you are my son. I'm well pleased. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus is our prototype. He's our prototype. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. The veil was turned into two. And now we have access to the throne of grace. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. Come boldly. You are a son. You are a son. Come boldly. You are a son. You know, one of the things that we also came to understand about uh, Jesus is that he was called the seed of Abraham. Jesus was called the seed of David. We've looked at Abraham. And I just want to touch a bit on David today. I just want to touch a bit on David today. And let me say this ahead of time. On Friday... I'm going to be taking questions. Let's do a review. On Friday, I'm welcoming, you know, uh, questions. I'm also welcoming Sorry for that. The internet was misbehaving. Okay. I'm back online now. So, uh, I was saying that Jesus was called the seed of David. Why would God call him the seed of David? In fact, when the angel came to Mary, he said he will sit on the throne of his father, David. So that means that Jesus and David shared something. Uh, there's the, the DNA in David that is in Jesus. Because I don't think God would just say Jesus is the seed of anyone for saying so, for saying sake. No. We all know it started with Abraham because God began something with abraham you know by virtue of the covenant he had with him and of course the end goal was christ but then we find david sandwiched in between abraham and jesus but there was something i read you know that was said the testimony of david and i want to read it to us we probably have read it so that we understand the way you know god saw david and how we can glean. I mean, if, if the Bible tells us that Jesus came as the seed of David, there must have been something about David that God had to preserve that his seed, that his DNA, and say, mm, my son will come through this lineage. 
my son would identify with this lineage. There's something there. Now, hear the testimony of God about David. Acts chapter 13, Paul was talking here. And he said, verse 20, After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. They asked for a king. And God gave them Saul. Can we see that? They asked for a king. And the Lord gave them. Now let's see what he did when he came to David. And afterward they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul. Verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king. Wow. Did anybody see something there? He gave them. They asked for Saul. He gave them Saul. But when he came to David, the Bible says he raised him up. Wow. Can we now see the difference between Saul and David? <laughs> David was raised. Oh. <laughs> David was raised. He says he raised up for them. David. And this is the testimony God had about David. He says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Glory to God. I mean, I don't even know what to say or add to that. I'm trying to look for where, you know, this came from. So you find this. Oh, Jesus. Glory to God. The Bible says, and when, and afterward, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man. Oh Lord, I'm praying that that will be our testimony. He said, I raised up for them. I raised up for them. A lot of us know the story of David. Can you believe that the whole process of David his life and all that happened till he became king was God's method of raising. And then God testified of him that I have found someone 
whose heart connects with mine so much. Why? Not because he's perfect. Mm -mm. He said, I have found David, a man after my own heart. How is he after your heart, God? He said, he would do all my will. Mm, what a testimony. Can, can, can God say that about us? Can he say that about you? Can he say that about me? That I found more a woman after my heart who would do all my will. Can he say that about me? Can I have such a testimony? Or am I about my own will? Am I about what I want? How I want it? Let's look at it. He took this from Psalm 89, verse 20. It says, I have found my servant David. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. With whom my hand shall be established. Hey, also my arm shall strengthen him. Can you see that? Hey, the enemy shall not outwit him. Nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face. And plague those who hate him. But my faithfulness and mercy shall be with him. Now you understand when they talk about the sure mercies of David. He says, in my name, his horn shall be exalted. That means there's a lot that we need to unravel about David. There's a lot that God could say this about one man. About one man. And I will set his hand over the sea and his right hand over the rivers. He shall cry to me, you are my father. Hey! David caught something in God in a time when people in his generation didn't even understand it. Remember when Jesus came and was saying God was his father and the Pharisees were about to stone him. They said, how dare you call God your father? The Bible says here that as way back as the days of David, he was calling God his father. You know, because they saw God as God. We've talked about that extensively. That's why when the disciples said to Joseph, the first thing he said is, Our father. He's our father. He's our father. He's, he's, he's not a special father to someone and not to me. He's our father. He says, I will, He will cry to me, You are my father. They had that level of relationship, that level of bond. Oh, can you see this? Also, my God, the rock of my salvation, verse 27 now says, Also, I will make him my firstborn. Can you see how he's connected to Jesus now? Can you see? You know the father called Jesus firstborn among many brethren. Now he's testifying concerning David. He said, I will also make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My mercy I will keep for him forever. 
and my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. God, one man, caught the attention of God. One man, and what was the testimony? I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who would do all my will. He would do all my will. We read about David. We confess the Psalms. We make prayers out of the Psalm. But do we have the heart of David? How did David become David? We've been told. Dave saw, I gave to them. But David, I raised him up. It was because David allowed God to raise him up. That's why David became who he became. The Bible says, God called him from following the ears to come and shepherd his people. God didn't have to test David. We shepherded a group of people first before he said, oh yeah, come and shepherd my people. He was shepherding animals. But it's not about what he was shepherding. It was about the how. His heart. God had to testify that he will call me father because he's a son. Okay. You don't find this kind of confession about God with so many of the patriots. No, you won't. But with David, this is what he has to say. He said he will call me and say you are my father because he's a son. He has proven himself a son in the house. He said, I raised him up. I raised him up. Allow God to raise you. If I give us a summary of the life of David, you will come to understand what I'm talking about. A young boy had brothers who didn't believe in him. We thought he was just, you know, one funny boy. They didn't understand him. When he came to the battleground and he was asking questions, they said, we know the naughtiness of your heart. You've come again. Or today. So who did you leave those sheep with? They had confined him to the wilderness. Like nothing good can come out of this. Can you see the similarities between David and Jesus? Nothing good can come out of you. They were saying, Why are you asking? And you know, I said, Is there not a cause? I mean, where were his brothers when the lion attacked him? Where were his brothers when the bear attacked him? Where were they? David was supposed to be the last. Where were his brothers? When Jesse said, uh, when Samuel said he's coming to anoint one of his sons, what made Jesse? Not add David. Why? It could be because David wasn't trained for war in the father's eyes. 
Remember when they called for those that were going to fight battle? David was not there. He went to deliver groceries. So you see, oh, there's a whole lot in this David that if we begin, we won't even finish it. A lot of similarity between David and Jesus. Showing us the pattern of how God makes sons out of us. David is a perfect example. David is, he says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who would do my will, all my will. And he said, from this sin and all that. There was something again that was said in that same Acts 13 concerning David. He said in verse uh, hmm. verse 36 says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. So, what was this will of God? What was this, who would do all my will? It was for him to serve his generation. That was it. He says, I found the son, Jesse, the, uh, David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who would do all my will. And then we now see in verse 36, he says, this David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, the will of the father was for David to serve. He was king, but the father called it serve. The father called it service. Serve his generation according to the will of God. May we serve our generation according to the will of God. There's something in you that your generation needs. You are not another statistics. You showed up because you, had an, you have an assignment. You showed up because you have a purpose. You showed up because there are many connected to you. And God needs you to come into maturity because lives are tied to yours. If you don't come into maturity, you are depriving a whole lot of others from coming. Coming into what God wants to do. Exactly. Adiola said David was still young to be sent to war by the law, 20 years or older and able to go to war. Exactly. He was too young. That was able to go to war. And maybe that's why the father didn't even consider him king. Because Samuel said, I'm coming to your house. Bring out all your sons. He said, all your sons. He didn't say some of your sons. He said, all your sons. Yet, they left David. Because they just assumed, number one, you've not been going to war. You can't even go to war. You are young. Number two, you can't, you can't be king now. Even Samuel almost missed it, thinking he was Eliab. Because he saw the stature. He saw the physical appearance. saw the countenance. And God made a profound statement that I believe Samuel will never forget in his life. He said, God does not look as man looks. Man looks at the outward. God looks at the heart. So at the heart of the matter of the making of son is the heart. 
Did someone get that? <laughs> At the heart of the matter of the making of sons is the heart. He says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, who is after my heart. He said he would do all my will. What is his will? To serve his generation. And so God took him through all that he took him through. Maybe tomorrow we'll look a bit into that. Because we just talk David, 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 David. A lot of us will not survive a quarter of what David went through. Imagine that you have been in affluence. And then all of a sudden you're a fugitive. Some of us would have cursed God. Some of us that say, I cannot be. God, maybe you are just deceiving me. You are anointed to be king. Meanwhile, there's someone on the throne. <laughs> we'll come to David. I think we'll dwell a bit on David tomorrow. God help me. Trust in the Holy Spirit. But I want us to meditate on that today. At the heart of the matter of making a son is the heart. Your heart. Your heart is not your perfection. Is not your knowledge. Is not your, your heart. Even in approaching the word of God. Even in growing in faith. Is the heart. Remember. The parable of the seed. The seed fell on the good ground. And the Bible tells us that that good ground. Is the heart. Is the heart. The condition of your heart. And that's why some people. The seed is being sown, but it's not germinating. Why? Because the heart is choked. The heart is not right. So the making of song is beyond just, okay, I'm going to be praying now. I'm going to be studying the Bible. I'm going to be doing this. All of that is good, but it will be beneficial. And it will be fruitful if it is sown in the right heart. And I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So I have two assignments. We need to cover the parable of the sower. And we also need to look a little bit more into David. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. But on Friday, please, I look forward to having you guys talk back to me. And just share with me what you've gleaned. What has blessed you. You know, what stood out for you. What you're taking away. From this, we've been doing this. I've been doing this talking, except for one day when Hannah just, you know, helped me out and she did an amazing work, you know. But I really want to hear from you, those of you who have been following. I want to hear what is your takeaway? We're wrapping up in another few days. What is your takeaway? What is your takeaway? What resonates with you? What is settling in your heart? What are you going to be working on and allowing the Holy Spirit? To help you with and i pray the lord will help us in jesus name amen thank you guys for joining this evening once again i'll see you tomorrow 10 p.m god bless you we're counting down uh four more days ah glory to god and um trusting the holy spirit that we would wrap up you know in grand style thank you so much for joining love you see you tomorrow have a beautiful night rest